Hello, welcome to the NHSR podcast. This will be a newscast. We are recording today on the 20th of July 2023. I know that because I wrote it down very carefully before we started recording. My name is Chris Beely. I'm a data scientist. I work at the strategy unit. I have with me today Tom and Zoe. Tom, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Sure. My name is Tom Smith. I'm an insight manager at Nottingham University Hospitals Trust. And Zoe? I'm Zoe Turner. I'm a senior data scientist at the strategy unit working in the data science team with Chris. Cool. Right. So news time. So I think the big news uh, is the NHSR conference. Um, I was talking to some Python friends the other day and they were saying um, that it's more than just the NHSR conference the other day, which I quite agree with. So I think we are going to do a little bit of work on the branding. We haven't we haven't uh, finalized all that yet, but I'm gonna, I want to start making sure that I talk about it in a more diverse way. Um, so for now i call it the nhsr nhs pycom nhs open analytics conference which is clearly far too long a name but it's got everything in there um so we're very friendly to r and python r and python will be together on the main stage um a bit like uh what is it guns and roses and that geezer off to the foo fighters at glastonbury to coin an analogy um that's for the one for the kids um and I'm sure we're friendly to other open source languages as well, like, I don't know, Julia or whatever you like. Zoe's been learning, you've been learning JavaScript, haven't you, Zoe? I had a go at it. I was doing it, um, I, it was data manipulation using JavaScript, which was quite funny, really, because it's, it's what, sorry? Very brave. Very brave. Uh, it was through Observable. The course was run of an evening, like an hour over a couple of days. And it was quite good. It was, it was very good. But I did think, what am I doing? I'm just doing like the filtering and the selecting and the summarizing and mutating if you're using R language or some of the SQL stuff, but in JavaScript. So it's fun to translate. That's the area that I like. But I was thinking, when am I ever going to do this? Yeah, so I watched a, a, a very good talk one day about, it was like maps in data science, basically, with JavaScript, a big mapping thing. And it was very clever and complicated. The presentation went for a very long time. And at the end of it, I basically put up my hand and said, why? Which I felt a bit bad about. I mean, it was really good. But I was just like, why are you writing this in JavaScript? It just seems really. And he was like, well, yeah, I mean, part of the reason that I'm writing in JavaScript is because I know JavaScript. And that's a quest that was a discussion I had today. Um, I asked our colleague, Tom Jemmett, a strategy unit, why did you use this to work with SQL with R? Why didn't you use Python? Because it's just what I knew. He's done some other things in Python. It's just the language you use at the time. And actually, the, 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 you could use either. It depends on what you feel like on the day if you're multilingual. <laughs> just don't mix yeah. them all together in the same script. It does make it does make you realize when you learn a couple of languages, just how much of this uh, of languages are underpinned by the database structures. So like you, the need to create records, read up, read records, update records. So much common language comes from that need, the fact that most of them are just a layer on top of a database. Um, I think we've got quite good ones in R and Python, personally. Um, but, you know, if Tom was here, though, he would say something in... else. So you're saying databases. I know what, I feel I'm sure, I, hopefully Tom will listen to us, he can say. He would say, <laughs> oh, no, it's all about pure functions. And then he'd say something about Haskell, and then I'd raise an eyebrow, basically. So that, my point being, you get a different perspective, don't you? When you write with different languages, they give you like a different yeah. thing. Like Java obviously makes you be objects. Haskell is just weird and Tom always goes on about it. It's something to do with functions, but I don't understand it. You're talking about data. JavaScript, I mean, yeah, JavaScript is not a very natural data science language, is it? But clearly no, it's it can not. be put to that purpose. So it did make some really whizzy maps though. 
at the introduction to R and R Studio training I did today, somebody asked me about Java and R, and I had to admit that I have no idea that I was being like ChatGPT here. I was just repeating what I'd heard colleagues saying about it being an object orientated language and perhaps having some connection to JavaScript. I really didn't know. So I blagged it. Um, and I still don't know. But it's all fun. So long as I can do selecting and filtering and summarizing of some degree, then uh, it's fun. That's where I like to be in the manipulation of tidying your data. So if yes. you can do it in Java and JavaScript, I'm happy. I loved I think now Java. Anyway, we've got way off track, haven't we? Here, which is not a bad <laughs> thing. So we were talking about the NHSR, NHS PyCom, NHS Open Analytics Conference originally. Uh, it is on the 17th of 18th of October, as you probably heard me say before on this podcast. I'm going to also mention just because there are some other dates as well that are important for your diary. So we have a workshop kind of week and a bit, which is the 28th of September to the Friday the 6th of October, and we also have online talks. So we've got a record number of abstracts this year. I'm going to say this to as many people as will can be bothered to listen to me, probably including my long-suffering family. So people said that Hacker, the Health and Care Analytics Conference, which we're going to talk about shortly, uh, would kill NHSR. That's what people said to me. They said, oh, well, we don't need NHSR anymore because we've got Hacker now. So that's like, you know, that's it. And I didn't agree. And I said so at the time. Um, and I'm here to say I told you so, <laughs> which is very on brand for me. Um, because we've had an F record number of abstracts. We've had over 90 abstracts for NHSR. We've, most of the reviews are back now. And everyone's saying that these are awesome and amazing. I haven't looked through any of them yet, so I, I couldn't say. But all the reviewers are telling them they're awesome. And I, why, who am I to disagree? Um, so we've got loads going on. So I'm, again, I've got off track again, haven't I? Yeah, so Monday to 9th to Wednesday 11th is online talks. I think we've even got some international people talking in the online talks, haven't we? I think we've got... Yes, we do. I've invited a couple of people specifically. Uh, well, I say specifically, uh, but they're, they're based in Europe. So they're going to come online. So it's going to be just as good, I think, as the online talks as the in-person online hybrid. Yes, and I think from the US as well. Um, so that's exciting. Mm. So there's that. And then there's the, also the in-person conference. So look out for it. Uh, if you have submitted an abstract, we are doing that at the moment. Putting together a program and doing the abstracts is a very long, painful process, as I know all too well. But we will do it to, uh, oh, in as timely way as we can. How we were different with the NHSR to Hacker is there's a little bit of R in the background. So our colleague has done a lot of work trying to get all the abstracts uh, to the people to review them. But then just as a double check, I was asked just to kind of go in and look to make sure that they all matched up. And I decided to do it in a little bit of an R thing. And I was very proud of myself because I did it as a looped function. Set up beautifully in the administration of having all the names in the right places and in the files themselves. And um, I will write it up at some point so that people can see it. So in the background, we can now say we've used R to help us with our abstract uh, administration, not selection. We're not up to the chat GPT level. Yeah, my trick with abstracts, actually, my trick with anything now is people send me these big Excel things. So I don't even bother to import them. I just cop I just copy it, use data pasta to paste it into R, mess around with it, and then just close it down again, which is totally stupid. But it's just really, really quick. So I just can't help myself. Um, anyway, yes, yeah, so there's that. And also just to mention as well, we are planning something akin or exactly like an unconference this year. So last year at the conference, if you came, um, we had Python talks in like a separate track. 
this year we very deliberately brought them together because we want everyone to kind of share in the you know the magic of it all together and learn about different languages and what i'm hoping is that the r people go oh i should you know maybe understand more about maybe not write python but understand more about it and the python people the same thing with r um so but we still have that room so it'll be used uh for uh sort of some i don't know it's non-conference i think we need to publish something about it so i'm not going to go on because it'll take too long to explain it but there will be lots of exciting things happening basically uh in there as well um and there will also i think we've agreed to this we just haven't got, got the details finalized there'll be speed networking for those of you who wish to do speed networking i did call it speed dating but then i got a few raised eyebrows i think people were a bit worried that we were going to be matchmaking at the conference so now i started calling it speed networking uh, and there will be a social and unless i don't get my way it will be in NQ64, which is a barcade, so you can come and play Gallagher uh, and drink something or other. Sounds um, good. Yes. Um, right, I think that's enough about the NHSR conference. Tom, you're going to talk about Hacker. Yeah, I was just curious how Hacker had gone. It coincided for me, unfortunately, with a really, really busy period at work. So I haven't, I haven't actually, I didn't get there in person. I haven't, I don't think videos are up online yet, but I'm looking forward to looking at them when they are. I've got a week's holiday coming up, so I'm going to surreptitiously watch a few of those when no one's watching me, if I can get away with it. But uh, from an NUH point of view, from Nottingham, I know there were two people there. So Segal uh, presented some work, which apparently went down really well. Looking forward to seeing the video. And then also I, I met through the wonder of Twitter. So I didn't know this was happening, but um, James Jones, who uh, may not thank me for using his name, but... Um, he posted a, um, a picture of a poster that he, that he presented um, at Hacker. And he works in the very same trust as I do. And I had no idea that we worked together. And so since then, I've kind of, we've tracked each other down, had a couple of meetings, gone over some common ground. And um, it turns out that there's a, you know, a whole seam of analysts in our trust who work potentially more clinically than the, than the, than the folk that I work with. Um, and so James is sort of, the way into that group and hopefully we're going to link up a little bit so yeah had hacker not gone ahead there would have been no tweet tweet uh no no poster and we may not have met for another six months or a year or who knows how long so that was that was great thanks hacker yeah i mean i just show the value of uh the networky side of conferences doesn't it is that it helps you find people who work in your own organization which seems <laughs> absurd so. really doesn't it <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, it's obviously NUH is, is very big, isn't it? It can employs a lot of analysts, so you can, you won't know. Yeah, well, we, that's it. We're, we're 19,000 employees, uh, obviously nowhere near that many analysts, unfortunately, but yeah, it's, it's hard to find people. It, it, it's a really complex organization. And how would we find each other unless we happen to be working on the same thing? And in an organization as big as many trusts, you know, you can't possibly be working on the same thing as everyone. So yeah, really good to bump into each other. So yeah, it is a shame that we were using Twitter, but uh, that really was where a lot of the discussion was going on. So it was a lot quieter on Mastodon, unfortunately. It hasn't quite built up right. the same level of communication, although there are some organizations that have left Twitter, like, uh, is it our consortium, I think, have now left. So they've made a con they've made a decision to, to not be there. But I had conversations as well because I was tweeting on behalf of NHS, our community. For the things that I could watch, I was just writing about them and I got a question for somebody who we work with at strategy unit so I said as me I'll go back to them and ask a question about it uh, which I did I got an answer and I did that kind of like toing and froing so uh, there was a lot of virtual 
uh, interaction because it turned out that person when I asked I said oh, are you virtually attending or in person they said nope it's not for me to go to I, I can't really go to a conference you know it's a lot of attention to give uh, I'm just reading the tweets <laughs> which is brilliant that they read my tweet got a question out of it and I answered it and yeah you can meet as a sub it's like a subculture going off as a ripple effect from these things uh, which maybe is not quite appreciated I think because people if they've been are buzzing from having been in person they it's a lot of attention to give to being in person being virtual and then keeping up the conversation afterwards it's a lot for in, an individual to do so it's nice that there are people all around keeping these discussions going um in whatever form they like yeah i'm going to wheel out another of my stories actually now um so while i was at the conference i met a manager uh of some analysts and they said I've got loads of analysts back in my organization and I really wanted them to come to this, but they wouldn't go. They didn't want to come. They were, they were kind of put off. They were sort of a bit nervous or this kind of thing. Um, so I think that's a very great shame. So I said, you know, I said, well, you know, you must take the message back to them that, you know, this is supposed to be, um, and this thing, cause I've obviously been, I've, well, I'm not, it's not obvious to most people. I have been heavily involved in the organizing of this. So I've had lots of conversations with people about it and a lot of people have never been to a conference. So some people have done like PhDs or whatever, and they've been to academic and they sort of know, you know, but a lot of analysts I've, I've explained, you know, they're like, oh, well, I'm very interested in this analytics conference because it sounds interesting, but what is it? So that's, and I'd forgotten that quite honestly. I, it hadn't occurred to me until I was so involved in it. Um, anyway, so I, I, I hope that's kind of what hackers going to do uh, is kind of, yeah, I mean, Peter Spilsby, the director of the strategy unit, said basically that it was by analysts for analysts. And I think that's a really good kind of slogan for it. There's no commercial interest there. Um, it's and it's not uh, I mean, there were academics there and obviously they're very welcome, but they were talking about applied work. They weren't talking about kind of theoretical strange things that no one will understand. They were talking about stuff they'd done on the wards. It was a really interesting thing about um, pulse, pulse oximetry to do with skin color and this guy yes. i didn't go to the talk but apparently he was saying actually it can be quite inaccurate at times um you know so stuff that stuff that matters to to, to analysts to people working in 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 that that's what it's all about um so that's going to be my message whenever i talk about hacker i'm going to tell that story um and mention and say to people you know this is it's for you it's not for anybody else it's for you to come so please please feel free and submit your work as well that, that's the other thing is that lots of people hadn't you know, they first they find out what a conference was, and then this had been abstract. So they went all the way from what's a conference to standing up in three months, which is amazing. And that, that again, I think it was very developmental. It was about um, giving people the chance to kind of, you know, explain their work and, you know, do slides and do a talk and, you know, make, make it accessible. Yeah. Well, that was me getting on my soapbox again, wasn't it? No, but not to extend it too much longer, but, you know, analysts aren't necessarily the personality types that enjoy a lot of kind of interaction things. So that can be intimidating. And I think, um, you know, by analysts, for analysts, the fact that it's, you know, put on by analysts um, helps to offset that. So, yeah, they're pretty much, you know, it's a, well, I've, I've been to NHSR and it's a really friendly place and very accommodating for, for folk who don't necessarily choose to go and mix with a huge number of uh, strangers uh, on a daily basis we've all got this kind of common thing no well indeed I, I need to write a blog post about this because it's been on my mind but like i mean i'm fairly introverted you know so and my new job in particular 
you know, this was a 400 person conference. There were lots of people coming up to talk to me. And if they hear this, don't say that I didn't want you to come and talk to me because I totally did. I absolutely want that. And the same with NHSR, NHS Michael, NHS Open Analytics Conference. But it's a lot. At the end of the two days, I really, everyone said to me, like, oh, are you okay, Chris? I said, I'm totally fine. I'm not like stressed with work, but I do just kind of want to just crawl in a hole in the garden and not talk to anybody for, for a couple of days because I'm just totally peopled out. I mean, it was, you know, you go into the hall and it's just, you know, it's 400 people all eating sandwiches. It, it was a lot. Um, so, but yeah, so. I'm kind of extroverted and I still think, and from talking to some people or hearing, because there was a bit of a, a sort of debrief meeting that we had in the Midlands and the Midlands, Midlands Analyst Network where some people who attended and I attended virtually, so I muscled in on that point, were saying how they were shattered too. They were knackered. And I think it's underestimated even from an extrovert type of way that it's it's an intense day there's a lot going on there's a lot of new stuff meeting people talking taking in tons of information it's really enjoyable um and it's lovely which is why we are still having hybrid i think because i found it intense even virtually because there was so much to take in and concentrate but it's a different kind of intensity isn't it it's just like concentrating on a computer but it helps because then it's recorded and you can catch up later so it has a good benefit to it but I will be at the NHSR conference I've not gone to a conference I am not keen on being in any group at all because I am still uh, possibly a little bit too cautious in in regard to COVID and pandemic viruses anything people generally I might have gone from extroversion to introversion maybe it was always there I'm an analyst after all, uh, but I'm going to be there at the NHS. Breaking news. That's Breaking gonna, we're going to lead with all the comms is that Zoe yeah. will be there. Yeah, I, I might be hiding away going, oh, my goodness, what have I done? There's so many people. Um, the first one I went to or the second one, I went up to some of the people that were from the NHSR community around and I just went up to, I think it was Chris Mania. I went, hi, really loudly at him and he was like, hi, strange person. And then I had to explain who I was because I was like, I could see his like, who are you? Um, and you know, I'm this person on Twitter that's been talking to you. So I'm prepared for that as well, that people will say hi and I just won't have known what they looked like because we do lots of talking virtually, don't we, and chatting. So you want to come and yeah, see if twi- i'm real come to the conference twitter friends that's a classic isn't it you just walk at you somewhere wherever yeah. and then someone says hello and you're just like oh where do i know you from and you and then <laughs> after about five seconds oh twitter and then you can you can relax again and then i also have to say when claire griffiths and perea i, I i'm sure i'd mangle his surname if i said it said on twitter oh it's a shame you're not here zoe well, I'm fangirling them and they're saying, where are you? This was great. I just like, I should have been there. I would have seen my my heroes in dashboard design, the great COVID dashboard. Um, yeah, that was a well, missed opportunity. Mi- mixing with the greats there, Zoe. And I think you've got that segues into the next part of the podcast, doesn't it? Tell us about your big news. Oh, my big news. My big news based on the tiniest, tiniest thing. I have been doing for the um, with some other people for uh, the NHSR book club. We've been reading R for Data Science, and we've been looking at the second edition, doing the solutions as a kind of nod to somebody who did the first edition's solutions. And I noticed that there were missing backticks for some formatting around a word. So I did a pull request to R for Data Science, and then promptly forgot about it. And so my email on Monday was from Hadley Wickham accepting my pull request. And then a thanks. And that was really good. But then the highlight, 
Yeah, yeah, that's nothing. That's just hardly working <laughs> for our data science. The big news is I am so close to getting another similar tiny, tiny thing in a vignette for NHSR plot the dots package, which has to be said in the grander scheme of things is is brilliant in the NHS. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't have the same reach as R for data science. I don't know. It is used globally. I'm very close to getting that in there because there's a, a few changes removing something that wasn't necessarily accessible by saying something is here so we've been working on that and updating it from nhs improvement as it was to now nhs england and then that passes over to you tom for some more news about nhsr plot the dots absolutely but i think that's going to be my claim to fame now basically that you know the fact that i know someone who has had a pull request from hadley wickham accepted so yeah. oh like the Brilliant. bacon effect isn't it the kevin yeah. bacon <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, so yeah, on NHSR Plot the Dots, um, so it's become a really useful package to a lot of people actually, and we, I know that I use it a lot and a lot of my colleagues do now increasingly, which is really, really heartening. It's a little bit of a Trojan horse because it's so useful, you know, people are almost willing to learn to program in R in order to save themselves the time with this package, which is great. We're having a bit of a push um, before the conference to release version 0.2 which will uh, onto CRAN. So there are a lot of developments that have happened since the 0.1 version, which is currently on CRAN. So if you're using the package version that's sitting on GitHub, you're already, you've already got quite a lot of benefit. Um, but um, I don't use that one. I use the original version from CRAN. So we're having a bit of a push to get all of those latest and greatest features and bug fixes um, into CRAN before the conference. Well, as soon as possible, really. The conference is a bit of an artificial date. Um, one of those bits of code is, is a, some code which has been contributed by a new colleague here in NUH, and that's uh, Plotly code. So there is now a, a way to output Plotly objects uh, from the package. So you can have a bit of live dashboarding if you want to. I guess you can incorporate it into Shiny. You can hover over things and get pop-ups about what the, what the data behind each point is. So that's fantastic. Um, and I think hopefully that's only going to kind of grow and grow and make back more useful to an even bigger group of people so that's that's really good news um other good news is there are some new contributors so as we work through these last few bug fixes a few new people have come forward so you know thanks to them and it's in that in that sense the package is fulfilling that part of its job which is kind of onboarding people sometimes the first time they've ever contributed to a package they've got an itch to scratch in terms of something that's broken or not quite doing what they need it to and they're they're coming forward now, so that's really, really good. Um, and yeah, the last thing I wanted to do was just a, a bit of an appeal. So it would be great, I think, to start collecting users uh, and um, lists of trusts just informally, of, you know, who's using this. So if you are using the NHSR Plot the Docs package um, in your work, in your NHS trust or across health and, health and care, please pop um, who you are and what you're using it for in a message in Slack, probably in the Plot the Dots channel. Um, it would be great to collect a couple of case studies um, and potentially we could, if, if we can get enough people together, uh, potentially, you know, tell a story about the impact that, that you know, a few lonely analysts have had, you know, typing, typing away, putting code together and the collective impact that we've managed to assemble. Um, so yeah, if you are using it, um, drop us a note, um, and we'll um, we'll put a bit of that together and, and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, use it as a bit of a case study. 
We've also had some great conversations on the back of it, haven't we, In through Slack. So quite a few times people come in and just say, I'm using this and I have a question over it and get help from, isn't it great to get help from the, the source? I think when it comes to GitHub generally, if you're using R, people are quite happy for things to be discussed through the GitHub. But because we're quite new to that as the NHS and this is also local authority colleagues and other civil service maybe too, the conversation is, is a bit difficult to get started on GitHub. You have to have an account. You have to be confident to do it. You know, you don't need that confidence, but that first bit can be tricky. So Slack's a nice way to start those conversations. And we have had discussions about some of the statistical elements of it more recently, the detail, because this is a particular type of SPC chart. What about the other ones? So there's always room for discussions with it. It's got a lot of followers, I think, lots of users. And as you say, get in touch. I'll put a link to the Slack information through the NHSR way in the uh, show notes, as they're called, and also in the blog that goes with the discussion. <laughs> What's it called? What are we doing now? I've forgotten. Collaboration. <laughs> that's it. Talk to it. Podcast. The podcast. Podcast. That's it. Yeah, keep that bit in. That'll be fun. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Plotly thing is, is, I think that's, I mean, I don't love Plotly myself, but a lot of people do use it. And that issue has been on for two years. Yes. And it's finally closed. So it just goes to show, you know, that you can get there with things. So I'm a big believer in filing. So eventually someone will come along and be like, oh, I need that. Um, and it just, I'll plot the dots. It's like, it's the example. It's the example. There are two examples that I give when I'm going around selling all this stuff to people. The first one is Linux, which is obviously a bit of a, is a much bigger target. Because I say it runs the internet, um, which is, you know, a decent claim to fame. But at a more micro level, I always talk about NHSR Plot the Dots because it is, it is the perfect example of a group of people who all wanted to do the same thing, all coming together and working uh, in a cooperative way to produce, to solve a problem. And, yeah, there are loads of people using it, aren't there? So please do get in touch. We've seen loads of people pop up on the Slack and say, I'm using it and I want to they ask all these different questions about it yeah. and it would be really i think it's a a testament to the to the power of nhsr um so that would be a really valuable just for the whole community yeah and also i should mention marcus's name so marcus works for nuh brilliant another another colleague he's done a lot of the work on the plot, plot uh, on the plot the implementation actually he was trying to he was looking to do it independently and then i think got pointed towards the open issue in the package and then you know uh, the rest is history but you know, thanks, Marcus. And um, yeah, an another one of our sort of growing team of people in NUH. So, you know, come and, and work for just... NUH if you like to the dots. <laughs> and then just to say that you don't have to do big changes because you can feature as a contributor by just finding missing backticks. Don't forget the formatting of the documentation, adding vignettes. That's just as useful. In fact, it's very, very useful. Get your name in light. Documentation is everything. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I have to say, NUH is really awesome. So, because um, I know NUH for quite a while, because I used to work in the area. So, are we, I mean, I'll be recruiting. I shouldn't. I'm going to be recruiting <laughs> to. Are we allowed to do our own job adverts on here? That's probably a bit. A bit You've got no budget, topic, so it's it? a moot point. But yeah. Um, but yes, if you see Tom or I advertise a job, then come along because it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. Promise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Yes, I, 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 there are a lot of places in the world where I wouldn't work, if I'm completely honest. I'm quite choosy about jobs, but anyway, it looks pretty cool. I'm doing some interesting <laughs> stuff there. And Tom's there, so. 
Um, right. What, where else are we? What, what, what else are we talking about? Um, so I think oh, I've yes. got one. Yes, BMJ. BMJ. So there was a big bit of news from the BMJ in the last couple of weeks. Uh, it was posted on Twitter by Ben Goldacre, and then I saw the retweet um, from someone else. Um, but yeah, the BMJ are going to require uh, paper submissions to to basically be reproducible. So they're going to require paper submissions to include code and data uh, so that independents can um, reproduce the results, which I think is a massive piece of news because BMJ is not exactly a, a tiny little tin pot journal. It's, you know, it's huge. And um, having a behavior change like that happen, I think is a really big signal of the direction of travel and the fact that we're the drum that we're all kind of uh, banging is being heard of not not the not that the BMJ listens to the NHSR podcast, but you know that we're on the right side of history. They might don't write us off. We don't know who's listening, do we? <laughs> Prime Minister well, could be listening. I I uh, I read it on Mastodons because Ben did the great social media thing of putting it in several places, and somebody replied to him who I I would guess is from academia, and they said, well, if you want our code, you're going to have to pay for us to make its code review. I mean, it costs to do this, and all of the issues that came out from that short discussion because I waded in and said, oh, that's very similar to the NHS. There's the fear about putting something out that's messy, but if it's too messy and you're worried about it, how can we trust your results because nobody's checking them um so we had very very similar doubts concerns worries and also this idea of well who's going to do the quality assurance who's going to do the checking and it's really hard to explain in a tweet or in a mastodon toot that you get used to it it comes with time you'll look back at your own code sometimes months later not not least years, and you'll spot mistakes. You will see problems. But if we're not open with it, and this is the point with BMJ, how can we believe it? How can we reproduce? And we are going to make changes in the way we do things, particularly with medicine, that can have an impact on people because you haven't been open about your things. And it's a cultural shift for all of us. And we're part of that for the academics, even though we're not necessarily in academia. But shouldn't it already be correct? I don't understand. If you want me to do my job properly, you have to pay me extra. I mean, it should already be correct, shouldn't yeah. it? So what's the problem? That was what I, I I didn't say that, but I was a bit like, well, if you have, if your code's messy, but it works, then that's okay. It's when yeah. it doesn't work and you get the wrong result. Nobody will see it. No one cares about your hoping- code commenting, mate. We just want to know that you've put the right bits of code in the right order. How ridiculous. But people are so fearful about putting their code out. Now, I, I'm more fearful about putting text out. When yeah, I they're write fearful because they think they way. might have done it wrong. Aren't they? And that's the they, fear. Yeah. yeah. That's the whole process of peer review, isn't it? So in a sense, it's, you know, all of these papers are a peer review. This, in a sense, is just deepening that process, you know, into the nuts and bolts. And um I don't think it's something to be afraid of. I think well, I'd, I'd love if I'd love it if three people would email me in the morning and tell me I made a mistake yesterday. That'd be amazing because I could fix it. I, I'm um, happy when somebody says something on GitHub. Hey, I even got a thank you. Did I mention I got a thank you from Hadley Wickham for finding the back ticks were missing, even though that was text. I haven't picked him up. I did find a bug once though, didn't I, Chris? Going back to that years ago, I called something. D equals D or something in one of the things and you looked into it and you said oh that's a bit strange and you did the issue for me because I was a bit like is that really an issue so sometimes when you're very novice and you think oh this is a stupid question actually it might not be and I think that's 
Well, also there's a world of difference, isn't it, between an analyst in the NHS who's doing some stuff mm. and is worried about sharing it, worried about making a mistake, which I think is totally mm. understandable. I completely get that. Mm. And someone who's publishing in the BMJ saying, take the blue pill instead of the red pill, and yeah. then doesn't want to show the code in case it's wrong. I, th- I think they are worlds apart. That I have very little truck with the latter example, if I'm honest. If your code's mm. not right in the right order and it doesn't, you're not sure about it, then don't publish the paper. Yeah. Your, your paper's yeah. being reviewed, isn't it? Why shouldn't your results? So I've no truck with that. But that's, t- that's totally separate, in my opinion, to people who were just or, trying to figure out how many beds were in use on the 17th of July or whatever and are worried that, you know, they'll look a bit silly kind of thing. Or is there the worry that actually they did it in Excel and so you can't really publish anything because it's, it's... Well, I haven't dug in... I was going to ask that, but I haven't dug into the detail of the tweet. Are they saying you must analyse your data and code? Or are they saying if it agree, if... You know, if the code is, exists at all, we we have to see it. Because obviously, you could it, circumvent it, it by doing public, it couldn't you? No, it mentions public code sharing. So it says, if I, I'll read a little section, uh, the distance between promoting what is good and doing what is good often seems great. Um, struggles over trial res, uh, res, registration and reporting of results continue. The next obvious step is sharing study data. Only 8% of medical and health articles declare that their data is publicly available. Only 2% shared it publicly. And then the same estimates for public code sharing were less than 0.5%. So it does specifically mention public code sharing, public data sharing, and 0.5% is a tiny, tiny percentage. Yeah. Those are shocking statistics, aren't they? So last sentence, sharing data and code is best practice for public accountability and patient outcomes. So thumbs up. And if you're listening to this, you want to publish in the BMJ, you've done your analysis Excel, our DMs are open. We can come to the NHSR community and we will, you can go on the intro course. You can do statistics for our, we've got a course on that. All these different things. So don't be put off by that. Yeah, big news. Right. I think that's all the news for this week, this time. It's not a week, is it? Whatever it is, whenever we feel like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is some stuff from the Finds channel, which is probably my favourite channel of the um of the NHSR Slack. Um, so um, for those of you who've not seen the Finds channel or who are not on the Slack, we have a little thing where if you find something cool, you put it in here and then people look at it and go, well, that's really cool. I'm going to start doing that too. Um, so I like to highlight them in the podcast because uh, not everybody uses Slack. Um, so the first one is very small. However, it's changed the lives of, I think, at least three people already just from me mentioning it to the team. So, you know, a little, little thing, little acorns and all that. So today I had 212 GitHub notifications. One of my team members sent me pull request reviews two months ago, which I had not responded to, which I feel very bad about that. So if they hear about this, I do, I'm sorry. Um, it turns out there's a little group by button on the notifications thing of GitHub. And you can, if you, it's set to date, I believe by default, but if you click it, you can change it to repository. And when you do that, it groups them by repository. So it chunks them all up and then you can just click one button and it just gets rid, gets rid of them all. Um, which is really useful because a lot of, there's a big problem that people have where they get kind of like GitHub notification junk, which is not GitHub's fault. But you end up watching way too many repos than you're actually interested in because just that's how life goes sometimes. And you end up with 212 notifications. Um, so yes, yeah, so the whole team is very excited about this because it means you can actually look, see what's important. So like, it's like, it's like another, it's like having yet another email. It's like I've got my personal email, I've got my work email, and I've got my GitHub notifications, and you need to be on top of all three, basically. So that's that. Yeah, 
I'm 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 there as well. I'm yeah, I've found those <laughs> PRs with it that you should have found months ago yeah. from people who sit wait, waiting patiently and yeah, probably if there's one of those that I've not seen right now, email me <laughs> because I've definitely missed it. Yeah, ditto. Um, <laughs> um, my find is is it's going to be a monthly reminder, but it, the, the monthly shout out to John McIntosh's patient counts package. Um, it's great. Um, I'm using it quite a lot. And probably if you're in the NHS and you work on kind of patient level data and you need to look at, you know, flow of people through an area or counting beds or counting people in wards, uh, do check that package out because it saved me an absolute mountain of time and it, and it could do for you as well. Sometimes there's a little bit of a switching cost and a little bit of a thinking time involved with deciding to, to look, check out a package. But uh, that patient counter package is one that I wished I'd put the effort into looking at a year ago because, you know, it, it's that helpful. So that's a monthly shout out. I'll probably say it again next month. <laughs> and while you're on John's GitHub page, download Rock Themes and make all your graphs look like Slayer albums because why not? <laughs> I was going to talk about a find that was about Pivotar using Excel, pivot tables in R. Check that out if you're interested. But my real shout out now, as it was just, just came to me, was Matt Dre's package, Quarto Stamp. And the reason why I've kind of forgotten about it is because I use it all the time. It's almost like you load Tidyverse, you're using Quarto. I'm going to also have as my add-in, because it's in my R Studio IDE now, Quarto Stamp. So the lovely thing about... Um, quarto is that you have these uh, new kind of chunk breakdown or uh, I don't know what they call them to be honest but you can have these different like notices you can have block things and it and it has lots of text with it the difficulty with this and this other package that Matt's written as well for packages as roxygen type things is that there are bits of text that you have to remember how to write it each time but the great thing about the two packages that Matt's created is that it does it for you. It's a drop-down menu, and then you select it, and it fills it in all for you. And I also contributed to his package as well by asking him to, if it was possible to change something. Uh, I did an issue just saying, is this even possible? And he said, yeah, it is. I'll do that now. And um, it's a nice thing when somebody writes something on the package that you spent a bit of time on because they're using it, because they off, they suggest something, particularly in that situation, that he could quickly do. And then I did a check for him and then I felt good because I was checking something that he'd done because I'd requested it. And then you're left with this amazing package that you makes your quarto work even more fun than it was before you had these. So, yeah, get involved, even if it's just a, can we do this? Yeah, awesome. And Matt, I believe, listens because he emailed. So, yeah. hi, Matt. He did. Thanks. Thanks for your package. Uh, I wonder if John listens. I don't know if John listens or not. If you listen to John, then tell us. Uh, he was on the podcast, so he should listen, really, shouldn't he? But we'll, we don't know if he does. Um, right. We're, we're running a slightly long time. So I'm, I'm going to whistle through the last couple. Um, so it's very trivial, but I just saw something today. You can insert a page break in Quarto with a really simple shortcode. I'm not going to read out the shortcode because it will sound really weird. Um, but if you look in the show notes, you'll be able to see what it is. Um, I'm still learning Quarto. I think that's the thing. So I'm, I'm slightly at the kind of thing where I'm not understanding all the different things that it can do. And I think that's another example of that. Um, <clears throat> someone's just written in the notes as I'm talking, would Matt come on the podcast? And I think the answer to that is yes, he would. Um, Put so this, we'll... pod that, this podcast is the invitation to you, Matt, to come on and talk about all of the packages that you've been creating and all the repositories, because he's got some fun ones, immensely fun game things, and we'll leave it like that. So there you go. 
Yes, indeed. Spoiler alert, Matt's got loads of awesome GitHub packages. Um, there's another one, another function I've never heard of. I think it might be new, actually, or newish, uh, from the per package called pluck. Uh, it's very trivial, but it's just so clever. So what it does, basically, it allows you to to pull things out, if you've got like a very nested like list type structure, as you often get in our API or something, you can pull things out at like a, at a deeply nested level, which is really cool. But not only can you do that, you can actually set elements within deeply nested structures as well. That's why I think if it was just getting them, I'd be like, well, you could just do loads of brackets. That's not that clever. But setting them as well with the same kind of syntax, I think is really, really cool. So you can get things in and change them around really, really easily. Um, per is, the thing about per is, it, you, people think, oh, per is for loops, and it is. It does loads of other really clever things as well. Um, so I think I should probably just read the whole per documentation because I'm constantly amazed. Set names springs to mind as being another one that, that's uh, very clever. Um, so that's that. And I've remembered as well while we were talking this morning, I should have mentioned at the beginning in the news bit, because uh, it's technically news, but not that it really matters. We had a really awesome webinar. Um, I think this week, was it Wednesday? Yeah. Yes. Uh, from Ryan Johnson from Posit. Um, and it was all about Shiny in production. So Shiny in production, as some of you will know, is a subject close to my heart. Um, and it was really, really, really good. We have loads of good webinars, uh, and it was an exceptionally good one. There was loads of stuff about how to benchmark your code and all sorts of really stuff that people, that is hard to understand, basically. It presented in a very accessible and useful type way. So I highly commend that to you. He shared the slides, he shared the video, he shared everything. Um, so I don't know if we've, I guess we haven't posted it all just yet because it was only yesterday, but we will. So keep an eye out for it. It's great. Um, and if you have any difficulty uh, finding it in a week or so, then just let me know and I'll, I'll dig it out for you. Right, that's all the news we got today. I don't know if anyone's, any of the people have got any final thoughts for anything they forgot to say. No, no, all good. We could talk about no, alpha today, so I think we have to stop because I, I do. I must say, I've had a very fun time talking about R, and if I'm honest, I would just carry on talking for another forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. that's not a good podcast, I don't think, is it? So we're not <laughs> going to do that, and we're not going to talk to each other at all until the next podcast to keep it all fresh. Yeah, Even save Zoe, it for who's next on my time. team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that means I don't get to do an appraisal. And I'm ignore Zoe. You know, appraisal is going to be talk to the hands. Oh, you do your appraisal on the podcast. That would be awkward, wouldn't it? Yeah, you have to give a fine before, <laughs> not fines, but fines before we do the appraisal. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, always fun to chat about data science with people who have a different perspective than you. Um, so, thanks very much, Tom. Thanks very much, Zoe. Thanks very much to all our listeners, uh, including Matt, who we know listens and has just been officially <laughs> invited on the podcast. So that's exciting. Um, so we'll be back um, with, I think we've got a guest coming up actually, but I'm not sure. I'm going to go away and check that. We're back with a newscast in due course. Don't forget to register for the NHSR conference. As I say, we've had a record number of abstracts and they're all really awesome. Um, don't forget to look out for Ryan's webinar, which we'll be posting soon. Uh, and I'm sure there's loads of other awesome stuff that, to tell you about that I've forgotten about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am gonna do this. I've just decided today that I'm gonna keep doing this forever. I'm gonna thank myself for the edit because I used to thank Tom, but it's me now, and I've decided that forever you're gonna have to listen to me thank myself. So thank you very much, Chris. You're quite welcome. Um, quite right. I'll see you all next time. That's great. See you. Bye bye. Take care.